Alright, this is Lee from Broken Bricks and you are listening to Through the Door Podcast. I've given this introduction about five goes, so however this one works out, that's what you're listening to because I'm not doing it again. I cannot be arsed. Uh, <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by um, Wargie Productions who make and produce podcasts and they do much finer introductions than the one I'm doing now. So if you are interested in getting into the podcasting game, uh, you don't know where to start, head over to Wargy Productions and get in contact. Uh, so this episode we sat down with Benny Ill. Benny uh, If you like grime, UK Garage, dubstep, all that kind of stuff, um, Benny basically pioneered that sound uh, via Horsepower Productions who I urge you to go and check out and dig into their archives. Um, he's a fine chap. It was a good conversation. And yeah, I'm going to shut up and just let it roll. So here is Benny Ill. Benny Ill. Yes. <laughs> Welcome right. to Through the Door, man. Thank you so much for taking some time out to uh, to come on our podcast. Nice one. <laughs> Pleasure to come around. Yeah, man. Thank you very much for coming on. So, uh, for our listeners, um, Benny Hill is one half of the seminal production duo Horsepower Productions. Um, for those who don't know, um, Horsepower basically paved the way for grime and dubstep, creating that sort of darker strain of garage grooves. Layers, they're using like layers of samples from film and dialogue and the textures and sound effects that gave it huge, urgent, massive sound. Mm-hmm. That's certainly the sound that I sort of fell in love with your productions. Um, and yeah, so following your career from when I first met you, which was sort of the times around like Plastic People and Forward, um, like the, that, what was it, sort of, I'm trying to think what year it would have been, 2000. Uh, about 2002 onwards, I think, the for- yeah. Forward began. Mm. Yeah, so around the time, around like the development of all of that, obviously Horsepower had been <laughs> imperative in sort of making that. Yeah, well, that when, did, when did you start working there? forward I don't know um, that was after obviously I went out with Amy my, mm. my, my ex uh, we'll, we'll delete that um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying Un- unedited long form podcast nah, we'll, we'll edit that <laughs> um, no uh, yeah I don't know I think it was probably around 2007 when I started going to w- when it moved to obviously Plastic People it moved to Plastic People it moved to after, Plastic yeah, yeah. Um, maybe 04 or 05 yeah, yeah so around that time was when like you know the scream was coming through and my my week my weekly night out was friday night at forward and i'd see you every week you dj every other week more or less i think at that time yeah. alongside scream and benga artwork would be down there all the time you'd get plastician who's also been on this podcast yeah and as i've said before to, to plastician as well when he was on it it's like that that those times and those sounds that obviously you know you were at the forefront of uh completely changed the way I thought about making music 100% mm. because well, I was a guitarist in a punk band that ne- then wanted to start making beats mm. no it was legendary mm. times kind of thing yeah it was it and was it wasn't that far from a punk sensibility that mm. that raised the whole music because a lot of uh, you know the early stuff was just people in their bedrooms DIY mm. music it's, yeah. it's, it don't sound a lot like punk no, nah, no, nah, but it's, it's that mentality. Got part of the mentality of That's it, it. I think. It's and still getting labelled like that. In fact, yeah. um, Fatty, the guy we, we were just talking about, 
has done a crossover band of punk and grime. That's what it essentially is. Yeah. So he's got a grime MC. He's playing grime bass, but it's basically distorted up, so it's kind of punky. And then they got this like punk drummer. Mm. So there's even there's even like yeah. audible crossover now that's happening. Yeah. And Peng Shui. Peng, yeah, Peng Shui. Shout yeah. out to Peng yeah. Shui. They're a good band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big up. Like so it. I mean, so for, from those beginnings, obviously, you know, I've I've for our listeners and obviously for through the door podcast, where did it all start with you, Benny? Uh, I started making music at home. Really, mm. that was uh, the first way. It was cheaply able to make music. It was a home computer, like yeah. Amiga computer, and uh, I didn't actually own one, but a friend had, and we started learning the the, the tracker softwares that were around at the yeah. time, which you could get free or cheaply, you know, and they were just like literally about eight channels of sound that you could put samples into mm. and. Uh, pretty basic but most of the world of jungle music and hardcore mm. techno hardcore jungle all that type of music was made on those machines at that time yeah most of it because that was all people could afford you know what mm. what what was driving you to make the music what what kind of first sort of turned you on to to even wanting to get involved i think it was it, it was going raving and yeah. starting the raving in the 80s yeah so you know the music a lot of that time was american imported electronic music techno or house yeah. Yeah. acid house and such like and i guess i was young in those days and it was still a bit difficult to do to actually i wanted to make music but you couldn't afford any of the gear so yeah. you might have a go on a keyboard or whatever but you couldn't have a whole studio mm. but then it was I think really the technology that came through and allowed everyone to do their own thing and you know all these guys yeah, you know Manchester Sheffield London had their own little scenes mm. starting to make the dance music that copied uh, the, the American imported stuff yeah. to a degree you know not copied but it fitted in with it and that was what inspired me really just seeing that we could do it as well you know you didn't have to be some exotic kind of dj with no face on the other side yeah. of the planet you, yeah. you you know you could make your own yeah i think that referencing punk again i think that was the first maybe the, one of the first genres where people went i can i can fucking do that i can yeah, i yeah. can stand on stage and scream like that and then yeah. but i think the insurgence of edm and then grime and all that kind of stuff it's a similar kind of thing because you, you're going well i can sit in my bedroom and do that and it's That's interesting right, in, that, yeah. in that respect. I think I don't know whether that was reason for some of the sort of roots of it coming through, like grime coming through as, as mm. that kind of with that punk ethic. I don't know, but in a way, I mean, I think the the PlayStation had a little music software on there. Yeah. That's responsible for a lot of the yeah. early grime producers. Yeah, kind what of grew up with using music that music two thousand. Yeah. That's it. We were talking about this. Yeah. a couple of podcasts ago yeah weren't we I can't remember I think it might have been Plastician maybe yeah because yeah. one of the key things with Music 2000 <coughs> is that you could take a disc out and put a CD in it and sample that was it and, yeah, and, and then you could, you could nice you, crystal clear that's it it was a, it was a, a digital rip off of a CD so did it have a memory then was it using because you had memory cards in the Playstation oh okay mm. right. so yeah, it saved that it had saved the random access memory had saved where you was on the programme mm. so then you, and then it had then saved I can't remember how long it was it was a few like 10 seconds or so not even that actually it couldn't have been that long 
don't know how long it was, but you could get like a couple of drum sounds out yeah. of it or a vocal. And then just and draw then, in and some then, kicks and yeah, and then and then because it had like preset like sounds, and then you could arrange them in different ways. Mm. But I don't know if you could edit it that far in though. You could fuck with the BPMs and stuff. Um, that happens a lot, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ghost of Hendrix is yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, it. that's people walking trying to walk in the room. By the way, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Jimi Hendrix's ghost. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and it was it was imperative to sort of make it because it was made in association with Groove Armada, wasn't it? I, think I, I believe so. I mean, I, I didn't actually have the software, but I know for a fact that people made released records off of that mm. machine. Yeah. And the same goes for the trackers we used to use yeah. previously. A lot of, you know, professional labels released the music and there's still people talk about it today. Mm. Yeah. You know, with the line to the, the quality of the sound and stuff. Yeah. But... Mm. Just had its own, but that's that's the thing. It makes it, it makes it unique, doesn't it? Because like the the ability to sample, well, it, well sorry, not well the ability to sample, but then how limited you actually were. Yeah, the limitations because of memory. Yeah. Yeah. So you had to be clever. Well, you then, had to understand it, and obviously you you, in order to get more of it, you'd get less quality. But then that would be part of the signature of what you were making, I guess. Yeah, I mean that goes through. To most of the music, hip hop was the same. Mm. They didn't have enough sampling power yeah. on 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 the old emus and stuff. Mm. You could only have a few seconds. I mean, one of the solutions in in the sort of jungle era using the tracker machines was to get two. Mm. Right. And uh, quite a few of the well known, I'm not going to name them, but studios that were producing jungle, mm. they had two Amigas side by side. Yeah with a snooker cue to, to start it. So you hit the play button yeah. on both at the same time. Yeah, and right, if you hear, yeah. there's a few sync issues with some of the old yeah. records that yeah. that was one of the reasons because, you know, if you had two, you were doubling your yeah. sampling time and yeah. capability for MIDI or whatever other stuff. Yeah. You know, so. That's fucking That's mad, amazing. isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> You gotta get around it somehow, aren't you? That's the thing. It's That's it. But I think you're right. You, you're right in that there's limit. The more it seems like the more limitations you have on a, whatever you're recording on. Certainly in the in the in the PlayStation and stuff, you, your creativity has to take over, and therefore yeah. you you end up with a signature sound. I think the problem nowadays is you've almost got too much stuff. Yeah, you have. You know, it's hard right. to choose and yeah. too many options. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you open up the Waves plugin folder on. On, on my computer renders, I don't even know how many. There must be like two hundred, mm. maybe, and like I use three. Yeah, <laughs> you just yeah. think like you know what I mean. I don't know. Maybe mm. I just yeah. think you have got a little bit too much at your fingertips nowadays. But it is. Know. There's too much choice. But you know, it it's a way of duplicating mm. the the analog original analog method of yeah. Yeah. recording. So for people like me that have grown up with having to hire in a, a compressor or, mm. or some piece of gear that we needed it, you know it's it's like a treasure chest there yeah. You, yeah. you straight away instantly yeah. can load in a plug in it's got it's yeah. well, they've even done like boxed up Abbey Road and put all yeah, the, like, the tapes yeah. away isn't it? it's just like what yeah it's fucking mad it's mental isn't it when you that's think about it, it. Well, you, you know it's just it's the tone that they've achieved out yeah. of different bits of gear Abbey yeah. Road I think it's um, uh, they're Chandler limited uh, equipment that was designed for them uh, 
preamps, EQs and stuff. So once they've managed to emulate pretty accurately analog circuitry, it's mm. this, this is now is the time really for yeah. what they're developing. Mm. It's mad, isn't it? Well, now they're starting to make boxes which uh, are full of components that are kind of wired on a matrix. So uh, you're, you're actually operating a, a plug-in in the computer, but it's sending your signal through an analog mm -hmm. machine, wow. and they're creating ways to emulate bits of gear like that as well. Yeah, so, you know, amazing. you have this one box that's capable of being set up in different ways. One time it's a compressor, one time it's a preamp or right. an EQ or, or, or another type of effect. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's mm. mad. That, that, that's just further development of technology to make it more versatile and to get the right tones, isn't it? It's like, and it'll yeah. give it a distinct sound as well. That's it. I mean, yeah. people are still relying a lot on analog and mm. to this day people still record the tape and stuff. Mm. But the lines are getting blurred now, yeah. so you know you can't dismiss the whole of the digital world mm. no. in one go. And the same applies, really. You yeah. know, you, you can get stuff that you can't do in analog mm. now as well. So it's mental. Yeah, I think the fact that you can, you can. There's enough um, CPU power now. You can record on a train, or you can sit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just a yeah, different yeah. thing. I don't like. I think that in itself is mm. opening up a, a new kind of type of musician now where you've got these musicians and you see them all the time on Instagram and they'll just you know they're sat on the beach or mm. whatever and they're, and they're just composing beats and stuff yeah. I, I think that's that's a, that's probably the best thing that mm. that the whole dig, dig, digital world of, of plugins and stuff has given people is that ability to you're not confined mm. or yeah. stuck to one particular place you know what I mean you, which changes your the way that it sounds right because if you're sat yeah. on the train you might you completely make, make something completely different up than if you've got to go to the same studio every day and record in the same place or whatever. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, pretty cool. Course. I mean, I envy these people. I see them on the plane. I, yeah. I'm nervous flying. So I, on the plane, I couldn't be doing a beat or anything. I don't even own a laptop. But if I did, I'm sort of jealous of the people that do it, you yeah. know, because they've got a focus that they can... Yeah. The way I've learned to do music... I'm not really comfortable unless I'm in a darkened room with no windows <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah. no no contact with yeah. the outside world and yeah. stuff. But I have done a few bits of outside mm. recording, but most of it's been locked in a cave somewhere, yeah. Yeah, sort of, of thing, yeah, yeah. And, uh, grinding it out. But that's just me personally, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. a scenario being on a beach somewhere with yeah. the studio and the laptop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Recording stuff. I mean, it's a f it's feasible. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I don't know. I think it's hard to change habits for for the old school sometimes. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. So I feel the same way sometimes. But, that's it. Yeah. But it, right, that, so so let's let's go back to sort of so how you started to um, escape a sound. What what you mm -hmm. why and why? Yeah, but what so what like, was the sort of start of the signature for grime? Well, the in like what what was it that was that went from sort of you know making beats at home to collectively people doing that together and then it becoming a genre? It it, it comes from a different different sort of stream, I think. Because like, I think the grime basically came from the dark garage, garage didn't exactly. it? Right. So it was kind of the same on the radio. The the garage 
had a lot of MCs over mm. it and it became quite a focus of it that mm. the MCs were the sort of thing you were listening to and that the music was almost like a backing kind of thing right on on pirate radio at least and definitely at the raves like mm. garage raves uh but then you know when p- people started doing the dark garage it was just a form of that really it was just mm. like a more sort of kind of further away from the ethic of garage but with mm. the same the kind of the MCs the way they were flowing and stuff mm. was exactly the same it just had a different beat to it. Right. The tempo wasn't far off. It mm. was just like that. People wanted the nastier side of garage anyway. So if you know you pulled all that out and just had like a drum machine or whatever. Yeah. In the early grime stuff, I'm talking about, uh, you know, Pulse X mm. or, or Eskimo or any of this, mm. the yeah. blueprint stuff that was made. Mm. It was hardly anything to it. It was just a drum machine, or so it could have been any type of music, really. Yeah. Not to belittle it because it was good, but that was its sort of feature. And uh, if anything, though, I think sometimes when you do that, it makes it sound bigger. Yeah. As well, if you strip strip it away, and then you because the masses are normally quite loud on grime, I think as well. Mm. So it sounds massive because there's so little going on. Yeah. And an MC, I think I don't know. That's. Well, it's great for clubs and things like yeah, that. Exactly. Where the acoustics yeah. aren't really great for complex, layered music. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just totally lost. Certain types of sound system as well, which I won't name, but that they sort of... A minimal tune will help it sound better because it's just, it's just less yeah. Yeah. stuff for the speaker itself to manage and the acoustics of the room is once you're filling up the little bits of reverb yeah. On top of the music that's already reverbed and everything, then mm. it's just yeah. I've, it, it definitely in uh, plastic people. It was more like uh, feeling it. I think you've mentioned that a couple of times. Yeah. You're not just listening to it. It's yeah. kicking you in the chest. You know when you. Yeah. It's, it's not just listening. It's a whole different thing when you but get it into into, into a place like that. That's that's the one thing of like watching you DJ and 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 listening to the way bass. Especially in that room, told a story within within the music itself, and it like resonated in my chest. That was the biggest thing. That was the biggest difference for me in, in, in when listening and feeling music in that environment. Mm. It changed the way. It, it changed the way. Like I went from understanding bass on a bass guitar to hearing a wave form smash the fuck out of you when you when it's really loud. Yeah, but, yeah. but the, the, the pure clarity of it. And and the the, the the structure and the, the clever way to make it pop, and arrangement, you know. It's well, like, those guys. I mean, the the way the music was made mm. was part of it, but I think it was very well tuned. That system in there, yeah. you know, the, the the speakers matched to the room, and however it had been done, yeah. it was just successful. I don't know. Mm. However many clubs have had a similar setup, they haven't quite pulled yeah. it off. Um, there was something special about the shape of the room mm. and the nature of it being underground rather than on the first or second level. And yeah. Mm. It, was, it was draped, well draped out the club. They'd thought about the sound and then yeah, it, it just had that... I mean, everyone talks about it. The co-op guys, mm. the, yeah. the, the, the... They had his own night, isn't it? The, the, yeah. 
uh, what was it? CDR. CDR, yeah, where like people could bring their own tunes. Yeah. Just to, just to hear it on their system. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, that's a good just idea. To take a CD down there, like, yeah. and anyone could, and they'd spin it. Oh, there that's was, a there good was idea. even other nights, like specialised listening nights that they did yeah. there, where they had some other audiophile deck and like different mm. equipment was pulled out, and yeah. they were playing vinyl records just straight, yeah. listening them through, you know. Yeah. It was almost, in a way, a sort of a temple yeah. to yeah. music. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was. Uh, but, you know, with nightclubs, they come and they go, the leases aren't forever, they never have been, no. or very rarely. Yeah. Just, very rarely does the nightclub own the building, so it's yeah, it's, it's a case of leases and it comes and goes. Mm. And Ford had a little other life to live in um, mm. up the road there in the dance tunnel, and then they went... Yeah along the same pattern really with the mm. closing down yeah yeah it was a strange one Plastic People was interesting that it, when it changed it, uh, it, it they changed the system in there didn't they just before it started to shut they, they refitted it they did they refit it yeah and it and it, it, lost, brave. it lost something for yeah. me when they did that but that's because I was so used to hearing the old one I think and it, there, there was a lot more it, I don't know mm. it was just a newer system in there that they put in and yeah. then they changed the layout um, mm. And this was only like this is like I don't know it had like a couple of years and then it then it shut I think didn't it? It's turned it into a bit of a, like an enigma now or something now, isn't yeah. it? Like people talk about good. it. Like, oh, I never got to go and stuff. Yeah, because mm. it changed. It's like it a mini changed. Hacienda type. Yeah, it, type it, it was. About yeah, it's amazing. Mm. It's definitely got its place. There mm. were people that said about the system. Mm. I think they had some problems with the noise complaint towards yeah. the end there as well. I happen to remember the. I used to play the warm-up set a lot of the time, and they used to say, "Benny, don't have it past three on, you know, before eleven or yeah. twelve or whatever it, the threshold time for the Korean restaurant yeah, upstairs." That's it, yeah, it? yeah, yeah. I think people were having their soup plates <laughs> rattled and <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, you, you could definitely hear the bass lines. Yeah, in oh, in the little smoking uh, yeah. area outside the front, you could feel it from yeah. from below you know yeah that that was the beauty of it though when the when the, the lines and the crowds got so so big and then which you didn't need a lot in there you could probably only get 300 people yeah i think so there was definitely Max. a lot more people in there though yeah. the screech as many as well, you, yeah, well yeah. you you witnessed kind of like the explosion era yeah. of it as well which was mad. because the, the club night started on a sunday yeah i think it was Sunday and it then, was it, then and then it moved to Plastic People and it was still the Sunday. It was, yeah. And they made it a weekday. I think it was a Thursday. Then and then they went. It got so popular that they yeah. they had to move it back. I know it was the Friday, wasn't it? The Friday night. Yeah, it was. They, the it went to weekly, and it became to start to get so packed out that they had to move it back to the Sunday. I think yeah. they did in the end. So it, it was, was like. <laughs> It kind of grew and outgrew its own venue and the whole mm. the whole vibe of the scene sort of erupted out of the yeah. place. To be honest, I mean, I that time was around the time I went to America. So between '04 and '06, I was only coming back in in, in short bursts. I'd come, I'd be working in America, so I'd come to see family or whatever, make a quick appearance down at Forward mm. and the DMZ and the other things yeah. 
that friends were doing at the time. So yeah, just literally, <laughs> it, it all came out of that little place yeah. really. And if they hadn't done that, I don't know what. It's amazing the amount of music and and producers and sounds that have developed because of it. Like listening to people like Fortet, um, um, you know, Floating Points, um, Sam. Yep. Like, I was talking with um, uh, Laurie. Yeah, uh, Appleblim from uh, Skull Disco yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. And He's lovely. Exactly yeah. the same story from him. You know yeah. that they literally, him and Shackleton were ravers. Basically, yeah. that went that happened to go down the place. Yeah, I think they went to the co-op nights as well. Whatever yeah. they just drew their own mm. sort of. Uh, they drew their creativity from that yeah. era as well. Really, so it's just yeah. They developed some really interesting sounds. Like I like the way they, they they use like the sort of sparse Shackleton especially like had yeah some really really interesting ways of using textures and stuff in his tune. Yeah, he's a pretty smart guy. He's, he's got a good brain for for, mm. for music, the technical side, of, mm. or, or you know the the construction of the the music theory of it and mm. stuff as well. I know he's spoken at length about. I've spoke to him about the rhythms and how, you know, they create, well, they created a lot of that stuff with, with sounds that weren't necessarily drum sounds or... Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, mm. like percussive synth sounds could take the place of yeah. uh, drums or whatever, you know, that was one of their sort of things. Yeah, and it's that, that's, again, a lot like, I, what I was listening to, uh, Kano's record um, that's just come out, um, and there's a couple of tracks there where there's a lot of that use as well, like mm. just synth sounds instead of drums. And it, mm. it reminds, and it, it's, it's sort of a hark back to like boy in the corner dizzy sounds, like an overly distorted snappy snare mm. that isn't necessarily a drum. It could be anything. It's like, mm. it's a it's a bit of white noise. That's yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like Someone shutting a door or something. Yeah, <laughs> do you know? Yeah, but it is. It's it like, could be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just the sound, isn't it? Mm. It's just the wave short little one hit wave that's repeated yeah. in yeah. terms of when it's recorded electronically you know? yeah so I want the, the aim of our podcast really is to inspire people and to sort of give an understanding that you can have a career in music essentially because people can you, you've, you have had a very successful career in music from as you said starting making tunes on an Amiga to now yeah so like and it's I think for that for that purpose, I think it's it's good to hear your story of how you then developed, how you got your sound and what kit you used along the way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if we and go, also, when when did you realize like, oh, I'm doing this doing yeah. this full time now? This is the thing that I'm just going to pay you know put food on the table type thing. Well, you never really realize that. <laughs> I mean, it's important to be very very smart if you need to. Yeah. If you're choosing a career in music, you've got to have your options open different avenues yeah. to explore and I you know I'd be dead if I was trying to live off one thing and just doing a mm. the odd dance record and some club appearances you literally have to you know find other ways mm. just, I do a lot of work a little bit of mastering other engineering tasks for other people mixing mm. it's things like that that yeah. help keep the gaps in between because mm. you've got to remember that popularity goes up and down as well yeah. so mm. over a 20 30 40 years career you, 
you've got holes to fill in there that mm. where your popularity's gone down, you're going to reinvent yourself or mm. you're going to come back with a tour or whatever, that sort of thing. Yeah. You, you, you can't ever sleep on it. That's, no. Mm. Even these old rock guys, they've got to reinvent themselves somehow. Yeah. Like All their music's given away for free now on Spotify, more mm. or less. They're not mm. free, but... Yeah, they well. can't just sit there and coin in the the, no. the royalties anymore. Yeah. So it's it is a tough world, but as we were speaking about, it's very accessible. Mm. This is one of the problems because yeah. you know anyone with a hobby choice, oh, I'm going to do a bit of dance music. You know, mm. it's kind of saturating the market for people that yeah. really want to focus mm. and make a career out of it. And I'm not putting those people down, but it saturated a full market of yeah. people who are not all that good, but every record sounds professional because yeah. the, the technology is there now that you've got a few sample packs. You can make a record that yeah. sounds like one of the latest dance yeah. records. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, those samples Pretty have already been processed and they've already been mastered and all have gone through. So you can get a, a fairly polished sound just by not even it's plugging an instrument. To do it. So that's opened it up a little bit too wide in in one way. But I think, you know, quality would always come through. Yeah. So people mm. that are doing something a little bit different or a little bit more interesting, they're always going to find a bit of a spotlight on them out of the, the, the world. I mean... Mm. Now there's hardly any record labels, are there? So no. it's yeah. there are record labels, but everyone's starting their own thing, Bandcamp. Mm. Yeah. Well, you can just self-release. I mean, like you could, I could record anything and That's just stick it on like a distro kit or something like that, and they charge like twenty dollars a year, and you can put unlimited releases that, yeah. on, and it goes to Spotify and then iTunes Apple. and Deezer and. So, so yeah, you're right. I think on the you one hand, it's amazing it. it's, that you can do that. It is great, and yeah. it's also not great yeah. because it, it, everyone's doing it. <laughs> there's no filter anymore, yeah, no you filter. know. There's yeah. no there's no A&R department yeah. at Bandcamp telling yeah. you, oh, actually, this one. Mm. We Normally, we allow anything, but this is really bad. You know, yeah. there's no one ever going <laughs> to yeah. say that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good It's a good discussion because how many bands didn't, because they had a shit A&R guy that was only looking for maybe the next big hit, how yeah. many bands like that could rival Radiohead, for example, didn't get through that that, that filtration and just mm. died? Yeah, versus well, like how much shit there is that isn't filtered that's available. It's kind of like what... Mm. It's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah. There's no right answer, yeah. but, it wasn't but it's a, a good perfect, debate. It wasn't a perfect system, yeah. the A&R no. system at all. It was... Mostly fueled say, by drugs and uh, drugs yeah. and alcohol. Yeah. Right? So, uh, yeah. read, read the John Niven. Uh, <laughs> yeah, kill your friends. Kill your friends <laughs> book for that. Have you ever read that book? Yeah, yeah. It's fucking brilliant. But yeah, I, I think um, yeah, there was a lot of crazy stuff. But there was some creativity and, and creative yeah. minds behind it that you know, mm. amidst the the drug fueled uh, <laughs> nights, I'm sure they they cobbled together a few decent albums. You know. Yeah. between them <laughs> yeah. but now that that's totally missing mm. what I well, think's interesting I think it needs to come back somehow I don't know yeah. how but some kind of selection yeah. or filtering of, of stuff yeah but it it, tie, it ties in with like the use of say Ableton and like you get a native instruments pack 
So like we were talking to Plastician about uh, presets. Mm-hmm. On, on, and and my, my, my theory is in music in that when you create a sound or you use a sound, if it's for the vibe of the tune, like, you know, and, and, it, and it suits it, mm. I don't have a problem with using something out of the box. I'll make it my own anyway. That's what it's mm. there for. That's what it's there for. Yeah, yeah just to go bang. No, yeah. In the box, I mean. Yeah, yeah but in the box. In the box, but yeah, as his as package is a preset. But what that means is, so like these kids can make, anyone can, anyone, not these kids, any, anyone can make a tune using all these presets and it sound bang on straight away. And I think it, it, there is, there is a, a line where it is actually quite inspirational because it, it means that a kid can. I want like rah, 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 simp sound, and mm. there is a literally one called wobble, like you know that you yeah. can just pick on on massive or whatever. Of course, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's it, I, I like I like the way that, that that development. If you make a banger using all them presets, if you can arrange it in the right way, mm. there's nothing wrong with that. It's cool. Mm. Like you know, in the same way you sit with a guitar, um, if you can write an entire album on a record and it sound banging, nothing needs doing to it probably recording with a nice mic and a bit of compression mm. like it, it, the simplification of it that's it's, right it's, it's, it's a counter argument right so I mean like cause I don't I don't particularly use like bundles of plugins I've got loads of them mm. I t- I t- we tend to use like the record we've just made we tend to sort of use a lot of our organic sort of structures are written on written with instruments and then we'll arrange them and then any sounds that we've sort of fucked with via various pedals and plugins and whatever else will emulate in another way for live, I guess. And mm. uh, on, and it's, it's always that constant development, like resampling and um, put we put a lot of stuff in guitar amps and record as opposed to like, I mean, even like we've, we've had simps that we've used out of our phones. You know, mm. that's been like that mm. weird little, little arpeggiators and stuff that we've just then got a jack straight into an orange amp. We've both got like really lovely orange mm. like amps and just sort of, you know, like you can, mm. it, it, like getting a good signal and, and making it your own, I think is like really nice. It's yeah. quick. Signal in's definitely the best yeah. rather than getting it in and then messing with it. Yeah. What yeah. What's your sort of process then in terms of like, you mentioned you don't have a laptop, so, you know, the inspiration sometimes to start a tune, sometimes I can hear a sample from something and then that mm. starts. But what, what what's the kind of thing that sparks an idea for you and how do you then turn that into what is then released? Pretty much the same as what you just said. The, most of it is based around looking for a nice sample or some kind of something that maybe leads the tune but isn't mm. eventually in the final tune, you know. But mm. just something a lot of our stuff is pretty heavily based upon music uh, or dialogue from films, yeah. so some of these ideas are pretty much ready made, yeah, in a way, but. Do you have is, to go and get approach. permission for that, or is it? Do you have to get permission from the um, films and stuff? Or not? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, can, we can edit this bit out. <laughs> <by that. laughs> I, I think it's Tuesday. We discussed that because yeah. I just I just released one with a with a with a, a segment of a from a film called Bad Boy Bubby. Have you ever seen that film? Mm, I no. highly suggest you to watch it. It's fucking weird. Okay. And there's a really good scene in it with this dialogue, and I nicked it from that. And I was thinking when I released it, like, hmm, am I gonna? Is there any chance? I don't know what the deal is, really. So well, it's wise to clear all your samples. It's very yeah, wise, yeah. yeah. But, you know, <laughs> the nature of some music is that it's a very small commercially, so that, mm. you know, there's mm. not really uh, too big a risk mm. for, uh, you know, a small individual dance record producer being sued by a mm. massive yeah. conglomerate owners of film rights mm. or whatever it's sort of like a different world so. yeah but 
But that's that's yeah. what excites me about your music is the way you you use those textures and dialogues and sounds. Like I remember yeah. on on um, was it uh, the tune Walter of yours when I first heard that, and that was like after like quite a few iconic sort of dubstep sounding tracks, and I remember hearing that and wanting to hear that track, if you know what I mean. Like when when I when I when I put that record on. It was like fucking hell. That sounded massive. Well, that drop is like ridiculous at the start. Mm. Like, I mean, like I love the texture of it, the way that the the, the sample at the very beginning, like. Well, uh, that one the there. That's an example of a a, a terrible movie, like yeah, total. Uh, <laughs> not even a B picture, like, yeah. You know, some straight to video release yeah. movie yeah. that didn't have a lot of. Uh, its own merit as such. It, yeah. It was a fairly ordinary and rather blatant rip-off of Mad Max. Was it? Oh, right. Yeah. And it's a nondescript movie. You, yeah. You wouldn't enjoy it, probably. I, I can't even remember if we actually watched the movie or we just had the sound on. A lot of the time, Yeah. if you're sampling, it's better just to listen to the, the soundtrack yeah, on right. its own rather than getting sidetracked into watching what's going on, the action. And basically, must have been uh, something about this piece. It it said something to us about the fact of water, a different message really, what they were showing in the film, but Mm. similar to the Mad Max theme that water becomes precious Mm. in in a post-apocalyptic situation. So... That was a little theme we explored mm. for that, and typical of many of our tracks, mm. it came off the idea of uh, doing, um, taking one particular sample of dialogue and mm. building it around that. So yeah. So what's the process of sampling for you? What what do you use? Um, we tend to use hardware samplers, but these days sometimes we use. Um, like um, plug-in sampler. Yeah. Um, I don't want to start naming brands and everything, <laughs> but you know, we, oh, you can. You can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You use a battery or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, no particular one, but mm. usually used mm. on the computer. Some of the emulations you can get nowadays for the older archives and stuff. Mm-hmm. I've messed around with them a bit. We've still got a lot of hardware at our disposal, mm. so, you know. It's quite fun as well when you push buttons and you fuck about with things like NPCs and that and yeah. the tones you get out of them. NPCs are definitely fun. Some of the editing on the little screens and the film yeah, was a bit of a pain in the neck, depending on the sampler. Mm. And, of course, Akai, they kept changing their operating systems you know mm. had, had to learn the thing about yeah, seven can, yeah. times mm. yeah but um you know we've still got all those machines so mm. if i want to use you know emu or, or akai or kurzweil or whatever mm. sampler mm. we can still use them mm. but essentially it's digital music isn't it so mm. aside from the sort of unique tone that you get out of certain machines yeah. Due to the input audio structure or or, or the um, the quality of the sampling, you know, you get that different tone. Mm. 
you can basically do that pretty easily with a computer. Mm. The MPC is different because it, it's got the pads and it's yeah. a way of working, you know, the hip-hop style of mm. building your tune just on that. Yeah. Mm. You've got it like human elements as well, I that. think, if it's played as well. Yeah. If you draw Definitely. in or played, you, I like the sound of played because... Especially in in electronic, it, it warms you to the sound of the track, or it does to me anyway. Because it, especially when you hear something slightly yeah. mistakes, I think. I see. You can tell nice when it's played. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, some of these sort of quite high end producers in in the, the R and B world that have come from uh, sort of a hip hop or a street music background yeah. that they do some stuff with the MPC and it's. It's very loose mm. um, grid-wise, but mm. but they're definitely playing that stuff mm. live or almost live with editing, you know. Yeah, and that you can't you can't fake that. Yeah, know? yeah. The best thing about those bits of kit as well, I I, I, I toured an album with um, the band War and Peace that I was in, Amin, um, and Buddy Peace is a, he is an MPC producer effectively he's mad mad good on logic I, I learned a lot from watching him work in that way but live as a drummer he was like he was on the pads everything was there I think you were like, listening to like a punk drummer if you yeah like some of the and, tracks, he's, and he's just mashing it yeah one of the one of the tunes we've good. got starts with like a garage groove effectively and yeah. I'm playing the synth bass on it and then it goes into a four to the floor sort of hardcore punk tune like literally and the, the sound of a tape turning over is yeah. in the middle of the tune as well and I'll, I'll start screaming about how much I think Morrissey's a cunt, basically. It's a bit harsh. Yeah. I quite like Morrissey. I, I do quite like him. I just sorry, Morrissey, sorry exactly. you, oh, you end up listening to this. Yeah, it's well, easy not to like. Him, exactly, um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was more it was more just. Uh, sorry, um, Morrissey fans. It, oh, well, yeah, we might need to delete me calling him a cunt. Never know, but um, I don't think he's a cunt. Uh, it's it's more it was just it was just my well he of, kind of is he is yeah he is <laughs> yeah. I'm leaving all this I was, the I Smiths was, was a great band they were amazing yeah. it, we musically go. fantastic I've just yeah it's uh, it was more just about sort of um, yeah it was more just about like rock stars and the and the things they do versus the music they make you can mm. like their music is the point and and that was the whole thing of it but anyway that's that's just a tune yeah um but uh yeah what when he played it live it was amazing because when when we ended up programming a drum strip we programmed it in and then we did a mono input in of him just playing it from the from the mpc and we ended up keeping mm. the mono it right. just sounded it had like a crackle to it sounded cool that's um, nice like we use we use like my old port studio for loads of our processing for like mm. bits on our record that we've just done mm. vocal processing like um because you can hear the clicks on it and stuff and, and like hisses the like hiss yeah you can, sh- you can hear yeah, you can mad. hear the it's other wicked. stuff on the other side of the tape as well sometimes yeah, like, yeah. Go, like ghost because yeah right. echo echo going something. over the tracks mm. so like when they're not quite uh, muted you can you can hear them because the rocker on the switch is a bit fucked because it's old so you can hear these like old acoustic tunes that I was recording when I was about 16 get a bit of cross talk on yeah. the channels and badly yeah. Badly deleted tape, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're quite popular now, these yeah. old cassette multi-track systems. Mm. I was never a fan of them. They were just mm. used to annoy me because obviously back in the day when that was one of the only options for mm. multi-tracking, it was either yeah. one of them or reels. Yeah. Reels were always better because this fiddly little bit of cassette tape yeah. was never enough tape you know to, yeah. to, to, to give a good really good sound so, it's not a bad sound it goes faster than a normal cassette doesn't it so mm. it's you're getting a bit more inches per mm. second on there but it's literally 
I think uh, the whole idea of when we, we we were creating music that we wanted it to be as clean as possible. We yeah. wanted it to sound like it was done yeah. in Abbey Road or, or in a big studio somewhere, mm. you know, and we didn't, at that point there, we didn't want it to sound rough and rugged, so we hated the mm. tape multi-track. But then, as you say, there's that interesting level of the way it distorts the mm. sound, and it has its mm. own kind of tone. That it's that saturation that you just don't mm. get from a door, basically. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I think you can definitely it. saturate it and mm. clip it and yeah. stuff, mm. and you, that tape, the tape compression. We used to get that effect yeah. but we used we had the reels you know we had um i think it was um task uh we had two we had a tiac and a tascam mm. um uh half inch tape mm. which had eight tracks and that was pretty mm, yeah. i mean it definitely sounded better than the porter studio but it still had that kind of the tape compression sound, or if you wanted to drive something or whatever, it was just yeah. sort of warm mm. rather than... So I always loved the gain channel on it. No matter what you put through it, it just... But then it just... It sounds just good. And yeah, finally, yeah. it sounds like shit in your headphones. You listen mm. back to it after when you finally sort of do a bounce out of it. Yeah. So I had my one rigged up to my, then my home stereo and then just did a did a record, like, I don't know if you know, recorded in, it just sounded dumb, like, it was really weird how, how good it was. Yeah. You know, for the time, like, it's fucking unreal. No, it has a certain quality to it, I'm, mm. it's just the process of, yeah, of actually using these things. Yeah, I mean, track a proper tune on it, that nowadays. Nowadays, you, you could use one or two of the channels and fly them into a computer or whatever, yeah. and you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't come across the bad artefacts, or, I mean, mm. One of the things with these boxes were a lot of them were four channel, and you know, so we'd have a limited ability of sampling or synth playing. So we'd record, you know, the four would run out pretty quick, and mm. then you'd have to bounce. So you'd actually have to use three and keep one channel spare for bouncing to. Mm. But every time it would just add this whole pile of noise every yeah. single time. Yeah, and by the time you've done eight or nine, Bounces, yeah. it, it, you know, the, yeah. it sounded like you were in a sandstorm. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, the noise from yeah. the track yeah. was there, but I mean, yeah. which probably suits some kind of music. If you're making experimental drone music or something with yeah. a bit of sound design or something that's supposed to be like that, then that. Well, if you think of how brilliant sound um, developed. From like that first record to the second one, like, but the noise floor went up like tenfold, didn't it? Really, I mean, you can hear so much more wallball and stuff within it. I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I think you cut a lot of that stuff by hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they definitely processed it in other mm. studios, so it, if anything, it's probably one of those ways of making it sound rough but yeah. quite cleverly oh, yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like with Flying Lotus. I mean, exactly. the same thing. It's like it's got loads of these textures that sound like noise but then they're very cleverly sculpted around the body of a groove in the tune do you know That's what I mean it. Like, deceptively um, mm. the texture is all, all it's got the texture of uh, of the noise and, yeah. and distortion but it's also somehow managed so it's, mm. you know, maybe Absolutely. it's mm. to do with the way it's all compressed and stuff you know mm. actually mixed together 
there's definitely better ways of mixing stuff together than the port studio, but you could get, yeah. like I'm saying, if you fly, <laughs> fly in one or two channels into your door and yeah. then you've got like the nice vintage sounding yeah. kind mm. of tone on your track and yeah, then straight it. away. What, mm. uh, what door do you use? Uh, we use um, Pro Tools yep. and Cubase. Mm-hmm. Over the years, used some other things. Logic, quite a lot of people have it in the mm. UK, so we use that sometimes. Yeah. I'm trying with um, this Harrison Mix Bus at the minute, which mm. is uh, it's not strictly a door, but it's a m- mixing software yeah. so it's got part of the functionality of a Pro Tools or Logic yeah. and you can mm. act the mix the mixing pages of those are sort of roughly equivalent you can right. do your mix and your audio plugins and stuff all mm. on there what's the benefit of that then over just using the full functions of a door um, well the Harrison company are known for building very high-end, mm. expensive American consoles, mm. so they've got a history in, you know, big mixing boards and actually mixing architecture is their yeah. business. Mm. They've developed this digital system. It's just clever with the computer algorithms or the maths that they've used yeah. to, to program it. It somehow, to me, it just sounds a better mix you know right. some people choose to mix in analog or yeah i probably would if i could afford it yeah but, yeah you know i i couldn't even fit a console a, you know a 72 channel console in our studio so yeah you know it's kind of the next best thing in a way i think because of the way people are making music now i think the process has become a little bit blurred compared to how it used to be mm. and i think the mixing is almost the creating which is almost, and it's the writing, everything sort of, sort of happens at the same time. So I think there's a lot of people now who produce music that kind of don't really understand what the difference between mixing and mastering is, for example, well, because they're going, well, yeah, what they actually is it? Because no, they I mean, mix as they go, you know, and they, yeah. they're doing all the stuff. Yeah. Or they're trying to learn or starting to learn to do the stuff that's the engineer's job, yeah. really. Yeah. But obviously mm. they're not employing a whole studio, so they're... they're yeah. I mean, we learned to do it the first ever records I released, we hired out commercial studios to, to, to build. We had tracks that we'd made with the home computer and everything, mm. but we took them into proper studios and learned right. how they were doing it all as we watched. We paid them, but we we learned as well. You know, yeah. We watched what yeah. they were doing. We asked a lot of questions, see how they were doing it. So nowadays, the way I would work is exactly that same way, you yeah. know, literally sort of doing it the proper way mm. yeah. so you write the tune first and then you mix then it you afterwards mix. and mm. yeah but which is like, something we've been learning yeah. it's not necessarily the right way but that's just the I way I it do it sense, yeah. a lot of people mix as they go at the moment mm. which is probably because they don't know any different but I just genuinely think that I don't know what it's going to be like in 20 years but I think that the process will be forgotten and it will just be it'll be like what's mixing do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just a weird world. <laughs> but it seems yeah. like it's kind of going that way because I, I think a lot of... I, I, and, and a lot of people think that mastering a track is sticking a, a limiter on it and just turning it up until it starts cr- making crunching noises and then you release it. 
Yeah, and, and it's, there's, there's a, a few lot mastering of mastering houses that seem to think yes. yeah. what yeah. you do as well. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. also another uh, when we had um, John Greenham on, who who um, is the mastering uh, engineer for Billie Eilish, and we were talking about this kind of thing as well. Wasn't it? Like, what is mastering? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> what is it now? You know, and, and what? And and it's he, just he, interesting that everybody that you talk to has a kind of a different take on it. But even his, he, he had a really good basic answer, which is, I always wanted to make music loud. And that's what he does. <laughs> that's how he's... There, he there is definitely an art form in yeah. making something sound loud and wide, and but not Actually, I was shit. always, I was always impressed with like, like I mean, you guys. There's a there's a big volume in your in your work. You can hear it. Bet um, uh, Benga, you stick a Benga record on. It's I mean, loud, yeah, it's yeah. loud, isn't it? Like immediate, like it's it's very very loud. Mm. And uh, and and how you achieve that is is sort of. I don't know. It's 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 in the mix. It's space. It's understanding what what transients are sort of smashing against one mm. another, so that when it gets to the point of pushing it all to that volume, it just fucking sings, doesn't it? You know, it's yeah. like it's got the bollocks to it, the weight there. And but we make club music. Yeah, or supposed to be listening in clubs, not always. Yeah. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's meant to be played loud. Yeah, so exactly. As far as you know heavy limiting and stuff I think that's got its place in yeah. in the dance world at least yeah. maybe not in other music's not so necessary but mm. Mm. definitely for club dance records you're getting the optimum level in the club mm. regardless of however they much they want to turn it up or down you, mm. you, your basic track has yeah. got, got its way. own signal level mm. the, the, the perceived level you know yeah but, but actually mastering the the just going back one moment to what you'd said yeah. before, that people won't be able to know what it is. I mean, it's almost at that stage now that there's mastering houses that don't have a lathe, so they don't cut mm. a lacquer. Yeah. And that's basically what the process is, isn't it? Yeah. You're cutting a master that, yeah. that is for a manufactured process. Yeah. yeah. The CD master is a glass sort of disc thing, the glass uh, master. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> a record's obviously a lacquer cut uh, on a lathe, a mechanical lathe. Mm. In, in many cases, neither of those processes are used anymore. CD no. releases aren't all that common. So you'll find a big mastering studio, they're not actually any longer producing a master no, yeah. no, right. It's just yeah. weird, isn't it? Yeah, they're making a file, right? They're just yeah. giving you a file, which yeah. it is a master file, but, mm. you know, the, the, the physical process of manufacturing, whether it be CDs or, or vinyl records or cassettes, they all had their own physical masters, mm. isn't it? So that it's a craft that mm. they've had to develop to mm. fit in with the new tech. And yeah. it's still valid. I mean, I'm sure I'd rather, I wouldn't, want my own records not to be yeah dealt with with a, with a talented engineer you yeah know? i think i think it's just that as well it's people it's, are skipping that stage yeah. now as well yeah, but you need another, another pair of ears right sometimes just to go actually did you think about adding this or do that or whatever i think yeah. if it's just you in your room and you went from writing it recording it mixing it mastering it and then sticking it out right, you lose yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you do lose you do lose that uh, you know you lose Definitely. a bit of well no man can master everything and no yeah exactly there's going to be mastering engineers that are out there that do it all day that are better than mm. whatever you can imagine you know yeah. and so you know not even 
necessarily recognizably better but just mm. you don't know what you would get if you had gone down that route yeah you know what i mean there's mm. some kind of subtlety or difference that you would get so you know i'd you know we make all our music on a low budget so mm. we're happy for it to to reach a very well equipped mastering studio and yeah. at least that you know that part of the process is, mm. is top of the range and the the, the best possible equipment is used yeah. by somebody that knows it you know mm. yeah that's it you can do it at home people use this um lander or whatever you know mm. like some online mastering yeah, you can just upload it right and it automatic did, yeah process. i did i did one just to see and it wasn't it wasn't half bad they're not bad yeah. at all. Yeah, I was like, but wow, actually, that's not actually how It's just the way the things are changing, you yeah. know. It's not that bad, but like you say, you would, you'd expect a professional mastering mm. house to give you a better result, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we well, use... Character um, as well. Too. If yeah. not, why are, you, why are you paying them? Yeah, you exactly. Know? Yeah. exactly. We use um, a company called Audio Animals, uh, and... I mean, when you go in there, it's just mental. The amount, the amount of gear they've got, and just yeah. they understand everything. How everything's wired up. Um, they understand like at the drop of a hat. You know, as a producer, you can say, "Now the kick needs to sound a bit more like this," and they'll just go plug it into yeah, some exactly. like focus right and presets and all this kind of stuff. And it, and you, that, I think at that point you kind of go, "Yeah, shit, actually, I understand that this yeah where this adds value into the process." You know, yeah, this is it's as important. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is that mastering? Or mastering, yeah, yeah. They do a lot of film work as well, um, okay. scores for films, but also um, effects and stuff like that and, and what have you. But yeah, so they're, they're doing some mastering for us right now. Well, they're mixing as well. When they're mixing. They've been, we, yeah. we, we, we've, we've, taken, we've taken some tracks uh, that we mixed and we've got a master done, got it back and was not entirely happy with it. Um, so not the master. It. It, was, it was just because it was of the mixing. mixers. <laughs> the, our mixing wasn't wasn't up to scratch for this project because there's a lot of it. It seems there's a lot of live and a lot of electronic and trying to blend them together and to mm. sit correctly yeah. has been a challenge. And it's not. And we've, we've stripped back. Like there's not, there's not many channels actually on uh, on the tracks themselves now. Like we've we've put we've got the the, yeah. the songs are there. Like the ideas. Well, the problem with mastering is it shines a light on all the exactly. shit bits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like, and, they, and they come out like, and they go. Ooh, fucked shit, up okay. here, boys. You yeah, yeah. Like, you know, so so yeah. we've given it given them to to do some mixes and they've come back and it's like that's what we're trying to that's achieve. Better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he understands it now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Paul, Paul over at Audio Animals. So what do you, do you have like go to guys or do you have people that you work with on a you know we've used most well not all but very many mm. different mastering houses over the years uh, the most recent record we went back to an old one which is The Exchange it used to be based in Camden right and now I think they're down in Devon or something but they they shut the Camden place some time ago and we've been mastering elsewhere but yeah yeah, they were pretty good. So this they? is for the recent release? The recent release as well. I don't know if this ties into it at all, but, you know, the the exchange did a lot of the hardcore era. Yeah. Oh, it's a bit, they're a big mastering company yeah. with a very wide range yeah. of music, but in my sort of era, yeah. we used to see the etching on the vinyl and yeah. on a lot of hardcore records, you yeah. know, that came out. In the, in the sort of early 90s so we thought oh that's the place for us but 
they actually get a good sound. And even to this day, there's a sort of similarity to their yeah. cuts. That, I mean, some of the original guys that work there are no longer there, you yeah. know. Mm. Sadly, this fellow Nils and whatever isn't there anymore. And uh, I think Mike was the owner. He was the original engineer we used to use. But, you know, it's this... Uh, they get a good sound from mm. what we were looking for. Mm. Uh, Stuart Hawks up at um, Metropolis. He, yeah. he, that's another good place mm. to master your records. And yeah, I've been got to a little, It's amazing up there, isn't it? I mean, it's like, yeah. Again, it's a big commercial place. It yeah. does everything, a full range of, of major labels and mm. indies and everything, but yeah. they're... they're Particularly Stuart's got his own little history in the drum and bass jungle world. Yep. So I think I think in dance music it's quite critical the mastering. It really even more so than a mm. pop record sort of it's thing. It's interesting that you should say that because I think John Greenham said it he doesn't know if it even applies. Yep. So it's it's and he does mastering so it's interesting how yeah. people think differently about it. Mm. But I think you're right, because I think if anything it you need that. You need the level. You need the sound. You need the volumes. Mm, it's yeah. got to play right in clubs, you know. And, and I don't think you'll get that w without the, the right mastering. But it's yeah, it's an interesting. Because uh, there's lots of producers like that don't master. Well, Apex Twins always been apparently. I don't know this if, if it's true, but um, people that have mastered for him have told me that he's always kind of pushing back on on label to say no, I'm not. It doesn't right. need mastering. It already sounds amazing. It's fine as it is. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, well, let's just send it out to some masters, mm. masters, and we'll see what we get back. But you know, well, that last record was Mandy Parnell. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Sarah. In fact, that was who I was speaking to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah, oh, yeah I think it was. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I think initially there was some pushback. But yeah. Um, but yeah, going back then to the sort of career bit. If you was to start out again today, this is something we've asked everyone. Uh, so it's just interesting because we always get different answers. But mm. if you was to start out again today from scratch with with a very sort of uh, minor, more low budget, what would be the three? things that you would go and buy in order to get to get doing Start. I thought you were going to say what career would I choose I was, <laughs> was going to say plumber yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Go but, it um, could be it could be uh, no you know. three what three bits of gear would I choose in today's well, sort of uh, yeah um, I'm thinking of, of as well what horsepower make yeah what music you make what would you get now well in order to make the stuff we do yeah. sort of thing yeah um, but if you were starting now I mean well all you'd really need is a laptop isn't it and maybe um, some kind of uh, reasonably good sound card would yeah. be the next one so mm. you know something that was good enough to do it of course when you're doing sampling you need to have a decent enough quality sound card or yeah. else if you're just using stuff that's emulated inside the computer you can get away with not having any expensive gear at all mm. because it's all in digital isn't it so you're doing yeah. it inside the software so the synth will sound as great as it does yeah exactly as it as as great as you want to reproduce it on a digital um converter mm. at the other end you know mm. so but if you're sampling, you need some sort of decent mm. inputs. I like um, well, these ones. Uh, 
sound devices. It, a lot of the movie people use them. They make right. nice little uh, sound card uh, or audio digital converters. Nice. Um, I'd, I'd probably put the most money on that and the laptop. And then if you've got a third thing, I'd probably get a nice decent mic mm. to go with it and then mm. you can sample other things that aren't coming out of a cable you know I think mm. there's a lot of time I've got a lot of time for sampling from recordings you know putting something through a guitar amp yeah. like what you were saying or or a pedal or, or maybe you know playing some percussion or whatever like mm. we've always done that sort of thing yeah so very different qualities, you know. Sometimes we we've just had the the earphone input on a laptop, or, yeah. or it hasn't always been pristine no. quality. But I would recommend another person to try and get the best yeah third sound card wise. I mm. mean, it doesn't have to have loads and loads and loads of inputs no. because you, you can always replicate that by going over it again. Mm. But if sampling is going to be your key kind of part of the sound, then yeah. definitely that's the best possible sound card you can get. And even if it's only got two channels, it doesn't matter because yeah. you just do it piecemeal, one at a time. Unless you're recording a live band with ten or more instruments, you know you mm. don't need multi-track really. You can mm. just do it with it's dance music. You're not. Yeah. We're not making it to perform live, so it can yeah. be done. That's it. You know, in a, in a, it's a boring technical way of doing it. There's no sort of vibing and getting together, but you'll put the tracks together. But I think that's the genius in dance music, though, because the way it's constructed can just be seen as maths, effectively. <laughs> but but yeah. then it's but then but then finding the soul within it is what makes that electronic dance music there, isn't it? It's like yeah. the using stuff the right without, drums, the tones, like the stuff without the, the soul is just useless. Mm. So it's mm. that, that's to me, I think. Yeah. I mean, people do this so mixing by numbers or whatever you want to call it. That yeah. everything's based around uh, metering and checking yeah. like signal sound pressure levels mm. and all yeah. this kind of stuff I've never done it that way yeah everything's by ear yeah but yeah you can do it I mean people do it very effectively like that these days and they literally they could mix without this hearing yeah. just looking at the metering okay yeah. this is you know they know what's on the track but essentially yeah. they're looking at a little pixel going up and down it's mad, it's, yeah, but you do get ear fatigue as well Especially oh, yeah. if you, you know if you're listening to the same track and you might hear yeah. that track. How many times are you going to hear it if you if you're making it, mixing it? You know, you way too it. many. Yeah. So yeah. eventually, you, <laughs> yeah. your brain uh, fills in the gaps a lot of the times, and you, so you. This is another reason why you should always get it out to another person for mastering and stuff because yeah. they will hear something that you literally are not capable of hearing because your brain's either shutting it out or, you know, you just you just you just used to hearing it so much. That's it. Well, the um, brain can play tricks on you as yeah. well with the with the sound and thinking you're I mean we've all probably been in a situation in the studio where you've been adjusting um, some kind of controls and then discovered half an hour later that this wasn't turned on or <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not even part of the yeah. 
uh, what you're yeah, doing, yeah. you're not listening to it. You're, you're not hearing. You're on the wrong channel. And yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait a minute, I still know. <laughs> that's my favourite one of opening up yeah, yeah, yeah. for the track above and yeah. compressing it and compressing it. It's not fucking working. Yeah, yeah. Or, or liking the sound of it. Then you fuck or like it. Or liking it and, and going, oh shit, I was actually on the wrong oh, one. Oh yeah. shit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Everyone's done that. Yeah. and <laughs> So it, it, it's true that the mind mm. plays tricks on you and you think, especially if you're listening for some very subtle like yeah. you know um the 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 attack setting of a compressor for example yeah. you've got to be listening pretty damn hard to notice mm. the difference in fact you even you have to educate your ears mm. when you don't know what that stuff is to mm. to, to hear that little or whatever you yeah. know that tiny yeah. little quick microsecond part of the sound that yeah. the, it's critical to what you're doing, you yeah. know. Mm. Well, a lot of the time, you know, if you watch these YouTube videos and stuff like that, they'll they'll always say, take the uh, the compressor or whatever and just make it so you you can't actually hear it working. Yeah, yeah. And then apply it because, which is kind of like a weird thing, really, isn't it? Because actually, you, you you're getting it to a point where it's doing its job, but you can't actually hear it, so it doesn't sound like it's overproduced, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. So you, you literally can't hear it doing it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. But um, mm. so you've got. Your microphone, laptop, and a and a uh, and a sound card. Yeah, what, what would Doesn't be? Sound that, that interesting no, it's, it's up, interesting because nearly it's, everybody said the same thing, apart it. from yeah. Scroobius Pip, who said, oh, "I'll just keep all the money and buy an iPhone because it's got a microphone on it, and you can record on it, and you can shoot yeah. your videos on it, and you can take photographs on it." I was like, "That's not a bad answer, that." Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah, a good answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the only one that said label in a pocket. That's yeah, exactly. And I was like, you know, I didn't even think of that, which got me thinking, like, we should really making my tunes on a phone though somehow I'd like to no. give it a shot just to see what you know it, it, just to see how it could be done I use my but phone I, to sample it, when imagine. I'm out and about yeah loads like like in, in Ireland uh, in Dublin when you um, when you push push the push, push. <laughs> when you push the uh, crossing the road button it's got this mad little ew 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 and I've sampled that and yeah, stuck yeah. it on bundles of tunes okay. yeah. sounds all sorts cash <laughs> machines broken cash machines if you go down to the um, down to the embankment and you can hear like where they're loading up the boats it's like it's a wow, wicked yeah. snare yeah. oh, you can get amazing snare. stuff from that but I mean presumably with my laptop and mic I could somehow carry it in a bag and yeah. do the same. That's it. We used to have a little portable DAT. That was quite good. And yeah, the DAT tape thing with it and the decent mic mm. for doing all that found sounds or, or, yeah. or recording ambiences and stuff. So, you know, not far. Obviously, you can do it on the phone now and the mics are a lot better, aren't they? They so, are, mm. yeah, they are. I've got that HD recorders. Like the Zoom HD6, is it HD6? Is it? I can't remember the name of it. That's wicked. Like you can get some really love, like from like the little changeable mics and stuff when you're out. Oh, you'll definitely get better quality than a phone with one yeah, of those yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. those are kind of like they're the new version of the portable DAC exactly. recorders, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. So, or or yeah. Nagra, the old tape recorders, what yeah. the the film people used to use. Mm. Nowadays, it's just to a hard disc but it's the yeah, same exactly. system so really what final question then what would be if you've got someone to listening to this has now got a laptop microphone sound card what would be your three bits of advice that you would give someone that's starting out making music um, well you've got the gear um, you've <laughs> probably the important thing to know is that you don't 
you don't need anything else to progress, you know. Mm. Don't hang around saving up money for uh, some pie-in-the-sky studio equipment that you think you need to succeed Mm. or somebody else that you um, admire has got this equipment. or You know, you don't need any of those things. You can pretty much do anything you need to do with that yeah. those three things mm. so that's that's the first thing I'd say the second thing I'd probably say is career wise these days you've got to have a brand and uh, and quite possibly an act as well so yeah. you know you're going to have to perform DJ or whatever is in addition to making your music mm. in my corner of the industry anyway that's literally mm. uh the most important factor right but either performing or the brand side which obviously involves maybe merchandising and other you just got to keep your options open mm. and there's little sources of income here there and everywhere but mm. the, the, none of them are stupendous you've really got to combine it all so yeah. that's just you got to be a bit of a chameleon I think in today's uh mm music industry uh, definitely in my sort of corner of it you, you know you it's important to establish yourself and maybe even think about doing a label you know mm. I, I, we always left it to others and thought that it was good to have record labels that were professional in what they were doing mm. on your side and doing the work for you you know that's one way to do it but it's less of an option nowadays because the labels themselves are doing a lot less mm. they haven't got the big departments and uh, art department and promotional mm. people and mm. all this other stuff that would help you you know mm. so you're not that far doing it your own you're not that far different from some of the commercial labels that are out yeah. there you know yeah yeah obviously if you're with Warner or a major or a big um, EMI, Sony, or whoever you know, yeah. you you've got a bit of more of a backup team on your side. Mm. But for a dance label, it's not that far off doing it yourself. You mm. know, but there's all that stuff is important if you're doing it as a career. If you're just making music, then that, whatever happens doesn't yeah. matter. Isn't it? You might get a good result by chance. Yeah. But if you're establishing yourself to try and make a career you're going to have to think smart and uh, choose different mm. um, options N- not just focus everything upon making this one hit that's mm. going to because even if you get that hit you're still going to need these other things yeah, to, to make the pan, ends really. meet and yeah. everything like that I mean I can think of people that made a great record that hit the charts and somewhere in the charts and everything and then they got pulled up on a sample, had to give up all the, the monies from the release of yeah. the record. Uh, so they started it back at square one, you know, oh, so man. you can't... It's even bullshit. a hit. It is bullshit. If you heard someone sampling one of your tracks, I'd be honoured. Oh, nice one. Someone's referencing, you know. What well, is the risk you take? That, yeah, that yeah. The material you choose to sample... The case I'm talking about, the person that owned the material of the sample that eventually sued them in court mm. was somebody that wasn't um, interested in in sampled music, 
wasn't interested in having their music sampled or anything to do with it. In fact, I don't think they even wanted to clear it for money. It was just we're not interested in Mm. this being sampled. So you take that risk, don't you? If they'd chosen to try and clear it, they would have found that the people weren't happy to have it sampled and Mm. then they would have known. But when they were making this reasonably underground dance record, I didn't guess they thought it probably wouldn't chart or whatever Mm. reasons they had for doing what they were doing. As soon as it hit the charts, that's big money, isn't Mm. it? So That's when um, the bureaucrats... Yeah. Got stuck in. It's like the, the Rolling Stones owning Bittersweet Symphony. Yeah. I just fucking every time it comes on and then I see like they you know, it comes on song by the Rolling Stones or whatever or mm. what because they own the rights, it's just like what? Well it was a it was a the BBC it's just fucking annoying, replay, wasn't it? Yeah, it's of, it is uh, Bittersweet Symphony. This will be the last time is what it is. It's yeah. the it's the strings. The yeah, strings. but oh, that's where they got that's it, that's, that's yeah. the verb, bit of sweet And they own the whole hundred percent rights. They own the track. Verve on nothing. No, zero. It's just like what the f it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Lyrically it's a pretty it's strong song pure as well. Classic like, it's bollocks, for bollocks in my opinion, but it really is me. But nowadays, you know, you've got this uh the computer algorithms <laughs> for yeah, searching. Yeah, just, yeah. And so anything that's held by, you know, current major label or, or, mm. or something mm. of that nature the internet is being scanned as we speak mm. 24 hours a day yeah. just for any section mm. or piece of this audio file you know mm. so it is a bit harder like that mm. you know fucking hell I think every tune I ever made it to begin with just had Bjork's drums on them like that's it like every single one of them yeah. I, I, initially like I mean I think I there used, the to, be, there used to be some rule about the length yeah. of sample and you no, could I'd take them chunks oh right just a snare yeah. you could take little hits and stuff but I think they actually changed that rule yeah really. and now you, have, uh, you could potentially ta- be in, in trouble seconds or something. oh is it have they, have they shortened it then yeah, I think there's no amount of time oh, oh, that you okay. can sample any longer. If it can be proven that mm. the track um, the track lends to this yeah. element or whatever, that's yeah. a, you've got a case in law, you know. But I think a lot of it is the electronic side. So you're seeing it like, I don't know, you do a mixtape yeah. with somebody else's tunes on, suddenly it it yeah. blanks out you're on SoundCloud and it's blanked mm. out the track or yeah oh right they, you yeah. know they've pulled your thing down it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean you're you know you've done a crime or mm. that your record's finished or whatever mm. but some some outlets will not allow it to play if it's got too much of something else mm. in it yeah interesting that so, um, just before we end, uh, we're going to yeah. just quickly discuss your uh, most recent release. Oh, nice one. This is uh, du- Double A. And you got another one coming, you mentioned. Yeah, there's next a couple year. more we've got coming 2020, next year, pretty much now. I think um, we're doing some more stuff with the Sneaker Social Club yep. guys, what yep. his current one's on. And we're doing some... Uh, a couple other I'm doing a solo thing which is a garage uh, project oh amazing which is for good for your records mm. um, which is a label my agent runs and we've been doing some other garage stuff on there with LB and oh, Sully nice. so there's, there'll be another one coming of that in the new year 
Um, so t- talk us through like the uh, just the, um, the the sound that you've gone with with the breaky sort of the more sort of breaks inspired sort of sound that you've gone to for yeah. this, for TP. That's it. Well, it's this current um, style we've chosen for this current release. Basically, it's based on the '90s hardcore mm. um, blueprint. Been inspired by a few other producers that have taken on the sound in recent years. Yes. Benton, mm. um, Special Request, uh, and other people that are kind yeah. of reviving that sort of sound, maybe updating it a bit and stuff. Yeah. So I think it's quite an exciting. I've talked about this with somebody before, and I think the the fact that, that hardcore mm. rose up and became jungle yeah. in a relatively short space of time, maybe two or three years, the tempo mm. jumped about 40 BPM. So yeah. there's like some missing kind of years that yeah, yeah. possibilities for exploration of that sound that didn't really get... Mm because it just grew so quickly and changed so quickly, there, there, there's a space somewhere in the middle of the tempos there that, that, that's still open for... It's, it's quite exciting, and I, I quite like the way that sort of post-dubstep, if we say, like the use of sub again, and, 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 and the way that sort of adapted and, and, and became quite prevalent and a part of just like pop culture as well. The use of bass is, is so much more defined in music. That's you can really, you really yeah. like throughout, right? And it's amazing. Mm. And and again now it's the exploration of drums and rhythms from the other side of it. Like if you know, I, I noticed sort of a lot of recent sort of intelligent sort of pop music, if you like, like whether artists like Anderson Pack, who's a drummer, mm. like it's all slow and soulful grooves and like the internet and the use of instrumentation in a really nice way. Mm. And, and and being um kind of like a, a good nod to sort of the past and the drums and and, and electronic music is doing that. And it, it seems it's evolved from like, like sort of you know on the grid, to actually exploring BPMs and tempos again in a really mm. nice way. And that breaks mm. that sort of and the hardcore use of of percussion, and, and like where the kicks fall along with the subs in in it, and the, the clever use of drops in and out. Mm. Like yeah. what I can hear in like because again like obviously the, the samples on TP it's just trading places, isn't it? From the yeah, I mean that. Just a quick overview of that yeah. track is basically, you know, uh, it's really an edit, and yeah. it, it, we're not taking much claim uh, f- creatively on it, to be honest, because it, it's yeah. quite an obvious uh, yeah, 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 yeah. sort of tribute yeah. to the original um, Hard Dance track yeah. by Masters at Work, yes, which may some listeners will know has been done to a death in yeah, 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 yeah. many recent years uh, different edits of this tune probably one of the most edited tunes ever We and we just decided to take the original sample there's nothing from Masters at Work in this edit it's all from yeah. the film what they took it from and, uh, and it's just throwing it in with a little bit of that 90s hardcore sentiment which is um, basically, in this case, just Eamon break Eamon yeah. brother yeah, by yeah, the yeah. Winston's beat yeah. over it, and uh, it's very quite simple. But I think it's just a missing gap, isn't it? That so many edits have been done. Yeah. Majority of them four to the four, so there's yeah. um, pretty much uh, 
just a dance groove, isn't it? You either love it or you hate it. Some people, <laughs> they like it. Mm. I think the hard dance, there's something special about it, you yeah. know? Yeah. It had to be, otherwise mm. they wouldn't have yeah. been over a thousand, two hundred thousand edits. Yeah. I don't know how many. Yeah. The whole ballroom scene, basically, mm. in, yeah. out of New Jersey is constructed yeah. almost off the back of the one tune. And so this is our little... Little, nod. little take on it, yeah. It's good because it compliments Stranger compliments it as a release. I quite like them together. That's about good. Yeah, I mean, some people, most people tend to either like one or the other. Stranger is quite laid back, yeah. but for those cool. that like that sort of minimal, yeah. minimalish, slightly dubby sound, and it, it, it's got its, um, you know, it's, it's not a massive banger or whatever but it's a tune that people would appreciate and I think it's yeah. got a modern sound to it as well it's, it's not just yeah, it's awesome, re reproduce the old hardcore stuff which no, exactly. we try not to really do you just have a little feel of it mm. and yeah. that's about mm. no, it's, I, I love the progression of your music I've, I've yeah from like in fine style to now yeah, I've listened to every single thing so it's oh, like, man I've always yeah always been on it always love seeing you DJ it's a shame Matty couldn't be here today. It is a shame. I haven't seen him in time. He's a lovely man. <laughs> unfortunately, he's doing a course. Um, he's learning about botanical gardening or something. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Cool. He, he's not That's able cool. to... Uh, he wasn't able to come in the end due to a mistake, but I'm that, sure he would have loved to come. Uh, right. Maybe time. another time. Definitely. He'll give us an excuse yeah, to get together again. Definitely, exactly. Well, thank you yeah. so much, Benny. Yeah, man, thank you. It's been a lovely conversation. It's a pleasure Welcome. to see nice you again. One. Cool, man. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Yeah.